Hi, President Day Mac from MK Productions Podcast here. So, just getting this little disclaimer out the way before we start the show. Uh, we recorded during the week of the 21st. This is all before the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer came out and the reports that Venom would be being pushed was being pushed back to January 2022. So, we apologize for not <laughs> being able to cover that on this week's episode, but we definitely cover those in the next episode. So, just want to give that little disclaimer out the way. So, enjoy the show and I'll talk to you later. Peace. Yo, I hit the jewel, I got some goals I sold a little weed, but I could never sell my soul And when I'm in LA, you find me out in little toe Come on, vocal with my ramen, I'ma need another blow, let's go Guess who's back? Back again We are back Tell a friend Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess, yeah, yeah, you get it Hey everyone, I'm your host, Hello. Mac Join your- <laughs> Sorry, that was my turn to be a little obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> now, hey everyone, welcome back to the long overdue return of the MK Productions podcast. I'm your host, Mac. Joined here for like the first time in a while, Christian, aka Miss Flamingo. Christian, did you say Mac Movie Reviews podcast? I said MK Productions podcast. I got really lost. I was like, wait, I, I I'm here for the show. This is it, it's been <laughs> it's been it's been a minute. So I'm joining here by I've been joined here by my trustworthy, loyal co-host, Christian and Camus Flamingo. How are you doing? We haven't been on here in like a while. It's been a minute, honestly, but uh, we are back better than ever. I think one thing we needed was a much needed break. Yes, so I mean, one, you... person had, one person had to go to um, vacation and then recharge his batteries, but I'm all set. I'm ready to go. I mean, yeah, I mean, I had some stuff, personal stuff going on and I think we all both mentally both needed a creative break for a minute, and mm-hmm. we're back. We're going to be consistent. Don't worry. We're going to be bringing you brand new, brand new episodes. We're going to talk about that, what we have upcoming for you guys. We're going to do all the basic stuff that you guys missed from us, which is like, you know, the news and giving you our thoughts on reviews and new movies and all that fun stuff. Yep, and the last podcast we posted was on July 15th, 2021, and that was In the Heights with uh, Elliot, the movie talk. Yeah, that one took a while to put up for us to put together, but like I said, uh, we are back. I hope you guys enjoyed whatever episodes we had out. If you're a new uh, listener, thank you for listening, and welcome to our show. We're going to bring you all sorts of good goodies today. So yes, we are. We got a Lots of good. fun conversation. Yes, yes. We got a little good little return show today. Just something simple and sweet. So we're going to start off with the news, any film news that we have like kind of missed the cover for like the past month or even recently. Then we're going to be talking about James Gunn's brand new Suicide Squad and all the bundles of joy that came with that film. And then instead of questions or box office earnings for the week, we're going to let you know, give you the upcoming, we call the M&K upfront of what's coming on the podcast in the coming weeks in the channel and our pages overall. So, if with all that said and done, I think we should get into the news. Don't you agree, Kristen? Oh, yes. It's time let's, to talk about some news. In the words of Keemstar, let's get right to the news! This is CNN. All right, so the news for this episode, I'm going to start off first with a juicy news story out of the Warner Brothers camp in D.C. Actor Ray Fisher, known for playing Cyborg in the Batman v Superman, the Justice League Joss Whedon cut, and the Zack Snyder cut, he has said on record that he will not play Cyborg again until Warner Brothers apologizes for the actions of Joss Whedon's abusive behavior on set of the 2017 Justice League movie. 
Ray Fisher says he wants president. I oh, I'm sucking right now. Okay, he wants the president of Warner Brothers, Hamada, uh, Walter Hamada, to apologize. And after, because did you know that he they did an investigation earlier this year, and Ray Fisher was a big component of like how saying Josh Whedon was kind of a asshole on set and everything. It's just all these Joss Whedon stories piling up, how he threatened to ruin Gal Gadot's career and how he wanted to make the movie his own and just cut Zack Snyder off. So it's just a big whole mess. And now Ray Fisher says he will not play Cyborg until he gets an apology uh, for the 2017 actions of director Josh Whedon's Suicide Squad. Um, I think an apology would be nice. I think more than an apology should be, you know, be given to him. I think some compensation of money i think ray fisher has now career is so been effectively different now um i don't even know if i said that right in the correct terms but it's just it's just amazing because i really haven't seen him in anything and who knows i guess at this point josh whedon really could have really tarnished his career with everything how he acted with how josh was on set and uh, it's not good. It was an abu- high abuse of power, and people should have gotten involved. And now that we're living in a time where people are get- taking, a- some people are taking accountable for their actions and owning up to mistakes. And you know, times are changing, and I think an apology needs to be said to Ray Fisher. So, do you think the question now becomes that? Will they, because we have a, recently we've had like a lot of actors going against studios because you get the whole Scarlett Johansson situation. Right. Now there's rumors she's going to DC. You got the whole Emma Watson, how she was, no, or no, Emma Stone. No, Emma Stone, and now she's Emma, going to be in Corella too. Yeah, so I guess they got that resolved. And then you had Gerard Butler swing the producers of Olympus is Falling over royalties. So it's just this snowball effect into different aspects of Hollywood that these actors are beginning to like say hey i'm putting my foot down i'm not doing this anymore until i want like some respect so is it do you think that they might just apologize to him or just say okay well your character's dead now and we're going to recast you good luck in hollywood we're going to black no they won't recast him i don't think that's the idea but i if i were a casting involved in this casting person or any producer or whoever involved with that situation i would say no this kid deserves a more than a second chance he didn't do anything wrong he was just like i said the power of abuse in that situation and a long due apology is said should be said to him um it's it's just disappointing how everything with warner brothers is treating this poor kid and it things need to change Mm-hmm. Especially, I mean, how do you feel, Mac? I I just Warner Brothers has just been in complete disarray ever since 2016 with Batman v Superman and everything behind the scenes. Because you get to go got the whole Snyder cut that was for like the last four years. We finally got it. Now you got the new Suicide Squad movie, which we'll talk about with the whole air cut. And now they want to release people want it. It's just the DC extended universe like fan base and even behind the scenes and in front of the camera it seems to be like different multiverses all converging together and we don't know like it's just a lot of i want to say i don't want to say like dickishness but more like kind of like hand like mishandling a lot of assets that 
it, it's just a messy situation, and I hope they give this. Him it's a, a very I think messy he, situation. I think he's he he's a great live action cyborg. Like he does a good job. Him and Carrie Payton, who's the worst cyborg in the Teen Titan show, I think they're like my two mm-hmm. definitive like cyborgs. So I hope he gets an apology, or just they should they really should just apologize because they were now it's the whole restore the Snyderverse. So it's like Warner Brothers is kind of seen as like public not so much restoring the Snyderverse because the Snyderverse is basically done at this point. I think at this point for my maybe I should maybe I'm too early, uh, set I'm too set on saying this early now until we talk about Suicide Squad. But I think they're set on creating a James Gunn universe. For him i'd be down i'd be down for that more than any, uh zack snyder i'm gonna say that yeah but we'll talk more about that later i guess but um yeah. so what's your news uh i was gonna add on to the last thing that was said but uh which was the scarlett johansson thing because uh as soon as like the end of the month of july happened that's like because we were gonna record again for us but um once July hit, that's when the news of Scarlett Johansson broke out. And this thing is going to really change the concept of the industry, where how actors are going to be treated and get the respect and even more money than, you know, some deserve. Mm-hmm. So that's and that's besides signing on a project and, you know, taking on the leading role, you know. So uh, it's going to be an interesting time in Hollywood now. And it's. Very, very exciting and, well, not exciting. I don't know if exciting is the best word. It's intriguing. That's the right word. But the next story I have is because of the uh, Delta variant. Oh, yeah. You could probably tell where we're going with this. The long-anticipated Andy Serkis direction. Oh, my gosh. I almost said directorial. Venom. Venom Venom 2 um, has been delayed to October 15th. So it moved from September 24th to mid-October. And that's because the uh, rising numbers and the Delta variant ongoing coronavirus pandemic were still in the months of a pandemic. So how do you feel about the ongoing Sony change-up because this also affected Hotel Transylvania 4, which will now be on They're Amazon. streaming, yeah. So you know, how do you for, feel about this? For the Hotel Transylvania 4 uh, like decision, I think that works because at this point, I don't care about them. those movies. I like the first I do. Two. I, like I like the first. That. I like the first two, but the of the, the third one I didn't care about. And like I don't know. I think it'll do better streaming. But with Venom 2 being pushed back, it's kind of like, man, you completely forgot that they're even making it because that – you forgot about Mor- Morbius too. Mm-hmm. So, I'm like, really bummed because I really, really want to see this film in a theater, and I was excited this was going to be something like kind of dark for the well, Venom universe. Maybe. Hopefully, I think so. But um, I, I'm, I was really hoping for the best for this one because I love Andy Serkis. He's an excellent actor, and I think he's a, very much so. Um, and this was his time to shine with a superhero, supervillain-like film. And unfortunately, uh, this variant is taking over. And it's sad because I really wanted to see this in a theater. I hope they don't... Hopefully, this variant doesn't take any more lives or doesn't cause any more extreme controversies with, you know, closing things down and stuff like that. I'm trying to word this where 
you know, I may not uh, kick myself in the butt, but uh, how was I going to say? <laughs> Sorry, I'm not doing great today, guys. I feel like it. But um, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of bummed how everything is now getting pushed back again because there are many projects now that are being reconsidered to being released in 2022. And it just makes me think that what other projects are going to get pushed back again? Like, is this is this going to include June? Is this going to include the internals? Is this going to include House of Gucci? Is this going, there is a lot of stuff up in the air, and now people are starting to do a lot of in-person events. So hopefully, uh, everybody get just get vaccinated at this point because we can't afford to lose any more lives at this point with this variant. It's not good. So. Yeah. And speaking with the M um, person, uh, freaking uh, New York Comic Con said that they require everyone to be masked and show vaccination process. So oh, we could that's... be going to that that too. So maybe cause I know some movie theaters they are going to require not here in Massachusetts where I am, but there are other parts of the country where they um, are requiring vaccination cards and masking. Some movie theaters and other places I've got told my friends they're requiring your mask again. Oh, 100%. I think that's necessary to do at this point. Um, in New York, which isn't too far from me, um, for guys who don't know, I'm a Jersey girl, but I'm not too far from the uh, big old Big Apple City. And uh, now they're requiring many re- people attending restaurants and wherever you want to go to show a vaccination card. And I think that's the best way to do it at this point. I think more states should do that. Because that way, if you really want to keep a healthy environment, show it, show your proof. Yeah, don't get it, don't get it, you know, uh, oh, don't get it. Don't get it. <laughs> no, I mean, wait, I'm trying to think. Oh, don't, don't get one of those forge it. fake Don't ideas. forge it. Yeah, don't forge it. Thank you. Yes, yeah, you actually get it. You, there's a chance you can always, always get like a duplicate um, vaccine card get another one you know showing you a proof you have one on you and then keep one at home to say hey i did get the the vaccine and don't get one dose get both doses if you can and if you need the booster go get it this this is not going to change ongoing guys this is going to be here for quite a while so we're gonna have to stick it out i mean i don't know what's gonna happen to me because i'm actually going to the jonas brothers concert that one that's all outdoors and uh I'm pretty sure soon they're going to have to say, if you want to go to the concert, show your ID that uh, you've been cleared. And um, keeping my hopes up that uh, nothing else gets canceled because I am one of those nice vaccinated people and I really want to see the Jaws Brothers. This is a life goal. That's why. Loser. Yeah. All right. Sorry, guys. I wanted to talk about my uh, life goal and dream and childhood dream for a hot second. All right. What's next on your end? All right. So. Next news, actually, this is from Adam Dents 22 hours ago. So are you aware, are you a I Love Lucy fan, Kristen? I, as soon as I got into college, I became a little bit more of an I Love Lucy fan. I didn't really like it so much when I was a kid and everything. I actually own an I Love Lucy shirt, and it's her of Stopping the Grapes. It's really <laughs> cool. To, I'll have to wear it one day. Maybe I'll post a photo of it on, on my Instagram one day. But um, I bought my mom uh, the complete series on DVD from uh, from Big Lots for Mother's Day. Oh, that's cute. 
<laughs> so are you aware that uh, Aaron Sorkin will be making a I Love Lucy movie with, um, what's his name? Javier Bardem and Nicole Yeah. King? Yes, thank you. Yes, I was very much aware of that. And I saw some set photos and I just think they're okay. So uh, Lucille Ball's daughter, uh, Luis Arnaz, she says that there have been scenes in the Ricardos that have that are inaccurate. I can bet that. Um, I think they're willing to tell a controversial story for mm-hmm. that. And, you know, with a sometimes with a biopic, um, you can either go with a nice route and give, you know, the n- respect and homage to the talent that's no longer with us. Or you get to the dark side that showed, you know, the dark truths to an actor where they might have went through some issues or maybe went through a divorce or some drinking issues. You know, it's like, you know, there's like up in the air, you can be like telling an accurate story. And I feel like um, once we see the biopic and I guess us knowing the history maybe of I Love Lucy and, you know, Lucy Ball in general, I think that's going to be up to the public to decide, you know, how they truth it is. They believe in themselves. But if, you know, the daughter or did you say granddaughter or daughter? Daughter. Daughter. Thank you. Um, I think, you know, for her to say, you know, it's inaccurate. I mean, is she giving her two cents or executive producer? She did. She did. She's not an executive producer. She just visited set. Um, just to see like what they were doing. And she did make a statement. She said, I mean, there are certain scenes that I wish hadn't been in the feature film. I thought I couldn't get my way and have them taken out, but they weren't accurate. I thought that shouldn't be in there because that never happened. That's not true. It is not just theatrical license. It just wasn't true. Yeah, okay. I wonder if they presented her the script at first hand and said, oh, did this happen? I feel like there should have been more research done if that's the case. And talking to the people who really knew Lucio Ball and Desi Arnaz themselves. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's interesting, though. So I wonder how it's, it's all going to be up for judgment once the movie comes out. So I wonder what scene that she's or uh, no scenes. Scene Thank you. She's uh, referring to as. She'll probably go on a talk. She'll probably go on a talk show and talk about it. Oh, I'm sure we'll see her on the Today Show, and she's going to be calling the you know this scene out, saying, "Oh, this fight or this this event, this fight, this thing, this scenario didn't happen." And uh, I know my parents. You know, she's going to be defending her parents, like anyone would be. I mean, if like I would be acting the same way, I feel like if there was like if I was in her shoes, especially if something is really drawn out of line or, you know, really like that could almost seem distasteful, I would be upset. So, mm-hmm. I mean, how would you feel? If you're- I, you know, if my life was made into a movie and like there was, cause I like, I think about this, like remember the Tupac movie they made four years ago, All Eyes on Yes. You? I forgot that movie. I that movie that movie is a train wreck because they did not all they got right about Tupac's life was just like what you would see like the Wikipedia footnotes, like the highlights. It's like, oh, he went on death he was in death row, he did the um the tours and everything it was like, okay, cool. But like his family was so against that movie, even his mom, and then his mom died. Yes, I then they released him. So I was like, dang, like some of these biopic movies or biopic pieces it's hard sometimes to get it right because you need to have that 
consultant, even when they made 42 about Jackie Robinson, which I love very much because he's one of my heroes, they had Jackie Robinson's wife. She was uh, consulted because she can be like, that's right, that's right, that's wrong. Like, she can do all that. Like, you know, I thought that was very good. That was very good. But it's just like, you know, if you're not consulting people who are actually like remember them or knew them well, you can't just take creative licenses like that because it just seems kind mm-hmm. of like we need to make it a Hollywood drama. It's like, no, make it grounded, make it realistic, have some actual historical truth to it. If you want, and then if you want it, if you want to like, you know, scare, skirmish the truth for your own benefit, go ahead, but at least try to keep it consistent. Yeah, um, you could say that nowadays. I mean, uh, for my birthday, um, I got to see the uh, Rifa Franklin biopic. And How was that? I mean, it was pretty good. I mean, it's not a, it's not a groundbreaking biopic that I've seen. You know, I think the best ground uh, biopic I've seen in recent years is the uh, Elton John uh, Rocket Man, which is fantastic and phenomenal. And mm-hmm. um, also the Steve Jobs film that Which came one? out with Michael Fassbender is okay, excellent. Good. It's one of my I favorites. Actually, I thought you were talking about the Ashton Kutcher one. No, not that one. <laughs> but um, I think with this one, the Aretha Franklin one, she was attached to the project. She cast yeah. Jennifer Hudson herself to mm-hmm. play her. I mean, what an honor that is. Um, <laughs> but I think that was a really innocently sweet documentary i looked at the dark side to aretha franklin but it also showed her high hopes of like how not high hopes but uh how she paved away from music and how she was treated and just really took a good look at her life and i thought it was a very nice biopic it's not like i said it's not groundbreaking as you know like i said steve jobs or uh rocket man but it was like in the you know it was in a very good range i i feel like some critics are taking a little too harsh on it but i thought it was pretty good my mom wants to see us all let her know what you said yeah i thought it was pretty good the music is excellent though in the film and jennifer hudson does an excellent excellent job i think uh, we're gonna see her probably around this award season it's much better than the billy holiday story i will tell you that (laughs) it's 10 times better lee daniels uh who? Love you, but this ain't it. No, no, that was not it. I, I, I still can't get over that. Uh, what's her name? Uh, I don't even know. Oh no! <laughs> so before we go into this Pandora's box even more, you want to go into your new story? So okay. I got one more after. Oh, maybe I will do another one after that myself because I had I'm torn between two stories I kind of want to talk about. Okay. Okay, but you can pick the first one we can talk about. Would you like to talk about Kristen Stewart or Brian Cranston? Oh, I don't know about this one, so both. Wait, which one? Kristen Stewart. Stewart. Oh, okay. is, it the picture, is it the pictures of her as uh, Princess Diana? Well, not that, because those came out a while. That those pictures came out about a year ago, but a uh, the actual release date of the Princess Diana movie has been set. When is it? Uh, expect to see the film to come out. I just had it in my notes. Where did my notes go? <laughs> um, so it's a really state. Hold on, folks. Oh, there he goes. Uh, Pablo Laren's biopic of drama Spencer starring Kristen Stewart is, is expected to hit theaters this November. Oh. From Neon and Topic Studios. And it's expected to 
premiere and the competition at the Toronto and Venice Film Festivals. So oh, um, yeah, that, that that's a that's going for um award season. Oh, definitely. You know that um Pablo Laren is trying for his uh, the, for an Oscar, you know, cuz you know he directed Jackie. You know mm-hmm. that that was one of his most recent um films that he got to take on and I think this is another you know interesting film for him to take on I'm excited to see what Kristen is Stewart is going to do um but I don't think she's the greatest actress on earth no to come out of the Twilight franchise I think Robert Pattinson hands down is Molly agrees Molly I know was missed on the podcast I feel like she missed giving her two cents so um but going back to this uh I, I I'm excited to see what it is I think it's a going to be a very controversial movie. I'm really curious to see how the uh, sons, Prince Harry and William or whoever, how you they if the prince are not still, I don't know, even know who's in the castle anymore. I'm curious to see how their thoughts are going to be about this movie. So I, are you going to be seeing this movie, Mick? No, I will not. Why? I don't really care about Kristen Stewart at all. And I don't know, the royal family bores me. Yeah, I, I just feel like my, you sound like my dad. I just feel like who, he would, he kind of says, who cares? Who cares about them? I really don't care about them either. I think there's just excitement because, you know, there's just like, you know, we all dream of princesses and kings and having tea and, you know, this high class Bridgerton society like imagination. So that's mm. why they're always being followed and have this, fan, there's this fantasy element to it. But for this movie, it's really going to take a dark look, I think, at Diana herself because uh, the movie uh, was expected to debut in 2022 because it would mark the 25th anniversary of her death. Mm-hmm. And but oh, here's the actual date. This is what I was looking for. The date uh, for the movie is going to hit November 5th. Okay, so and that's, that's the same time that's as the Eternals is going to be released, as well as Tom Hanks' sci-fi pick Finch. <laughs> So we all know what's going to win that weekend is going to be uh, the Eternals because that's Marvel and it's going to absolutely destroy. You don't think Spencer's going to be number one? It's Marvel. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We all know Eternals is going to be number one. We all know that. We all know that. But this is where the specialty box office. This will probably open like in New York and LA first, like in all those, you know, little markets that you know that want to get that you know going. Where they're they're like you know the theaters will then have to go out and be like, oh, we need that for our theater. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it'll probably get more markets, but it'll, de- like I said, uh, I'm, su- I'm surprised that it, they aren't having it at the New York Film Festival. I'm not sure if that's going to be at the New York, this film will be at the New York Film Festival. But uh, may- I think maybe it will be. It, yeah, it, that's Because uh, if it's going for awards season, it's going to, like, they're going to try to put this as many places yeah. as they can. As many of sports so, places as it can. So Yeah, so, so the critics can, you know, talk about it. And Salivate over it like me and you. Yeah, they're like, they're like, <laughs> You know, but uh, have you watched Pablo Laren's, uh series on Apple? The uh, I do not have Apple TV. Story? About this. Oh, yeah, I know, but I was, like, hoping you would get it because Apple TV is killing it. I've been watching a lot on Apple TV. No, I, no, not yet. But uh, his last project, uh with uh, apple i didn't think it was that good what was it uh, I, i'm not even like i was just i'm really excuse me disappointed how it's turning out well turned out i should say but uh it was like i said leesley's story and it's like a romance psychological horror show with like Dane dahan and um 
whatchamacallit, uh, Julianne Moore and Clive Owen and Joanne Allen. It's like, you know, and it was executive produced by J.J. Abrams. Like, you know, it's like all this like story stuff. And it was like a mini series. But uh, yeah, it wasn't that good. It's such a slow burn of a show. You really have to like sit down and watch it. Like, it's not like a series. You can just like turn on like your TV and be like, okay, I'm going to enjoy this, like, you know, like, a Ted Lasso or, like, a Friends or, or like, you know, Lost or, like, you know, like, you know, like a normal show. Like, I feel like this is, like, I feel like the Soprano-style show where you have to, like, pay close attention. I mean, some of the really stuff that's on the show is kind of, like, you know, extreme with detail and stuff. It's pretty interesting to see, like, it all come together, though, but the story overall is, like, a drag to watch. And you see the score on Rotten Tomatoes, which I 100% agree with at, the, at this point. It's just like, you know, the series what? Who? <laughs> Get it? So I think it's one of Apple's weaker projects going back to that. But Pablo Arantz. But I'm excited to see this. I, I, I'll check it out. Maybe I'll see it when it comes to streaming. I don't know if I'll go to the theater to see that. But my last news topic I got is that uh, you've been following any Neil Blomkamp news, mate. Uh, yeah, his new movie's coming out. Yeah, well, besides that, he has been, uh, he said, this is not the news, but he said he's working on District 10 after, like, God knows, like, 12, it's been 12 years since the original District 9 came out, and people were like, when the hell is the sequel coming? So, um, recently, he did an interview, and he said that he was shocked that people didn't like Chappie. This Friday, from the director of District 9, there is one name. I am Chappie. That has everyone talking. Chappie, do something! Chappie. His 2015 sci-fi film based uh, with a robot. I like Chappie. I like Chappie. Yeah, well, we did that live stream with our friend, a.k.a. Flickstock David. What's up, David? Yeah, Yeah, it was David. Um, You know, we did that, and I just thought it was like, ugh. Like, you I know, like, Chappie's annoying, and the more I think about it every day, I feel like, I like Chappie comes across in my head, I'm like, get out of my head, Chappie. He's just the obnoxious. I liked it. It, it, like felt like, it felt like a New Age RoboCop, and it's interesting, too, because before Chappie came out, he was in line to do a RoboCop remake, and I was curious to see, like, if he was using Chappie as a basis to see, like, okay, maybe this is what I'll do for my RoboCop movie. And it never happened. Chappie didn't flop in theaters but it's, it's becoming a cult following though so i'm happy with that yeah, actually it definitely definitely has i could mm-hmm. definitely like i said like i feel like even now over time too like i see why it, it's more beloved by audiences now but yeah. um, he said according to when uh, he spoke to uprox he said that he was he wasn't stung by the critical reaction but was rather not into the audience not liking it and that their rejection of it was more problematic and he this is his quote well, I think any conversation about it is just always cloaked in negativity somehow. And I think people have a point of view of a film and it just locks in place and that's the way that it is. So most of my interactions to do with it are quite marginally negative. I would say I think it was a case of misunderstanding the tone or me not presenting the tone correctly and then rejecting it. But it's all good. I mean, it's like you have to experiment. Okay, as long as he learned and I feel like He's, like, being, like, most, I feel like, directors, he's taking that criticism really, I guess, you know, you know, to heart. I, I understand him being bummed by it, because I feel like if that would be any director, you know, working on a 
beloved project that you know you work hard on work because hard on, like yeah. I say all I say all the time it's a challenge to make a film and I understand all the hard work and process that goes into it that's why I went into going into studying film and stuff because I, I love that art but uh, I understand I love the fact he's taking the criticisms and he's applying whatever he can seriously to his next project so I, I appreciate he can accept criticism than like how most directors because I feel like most directors would be like oh no most people understand what I'm talking about my chappy is a piece of work of art David yeah. so I mean how do you feel about that like I said, I like Chappie, and I will say that after Chappie, kind of just like all of his projects that he was going to do kind of fell off because of that and Elysium. Like, they weren't bad movies, it's just very underwhelming, and especially that people are like, is he going to be the next Spielberg? Uh, no. He, he lost his, he was going to do an Aliens movie, but that fell through, then he was going to do the Robocop movie, then that fell through, and now he's coming out with a new movie, which looks interesting, but I don't know, he's not like... It? Uh, maybe I'll see it on streaming. I don't know if I'll. It, I think it's a streaming movie. I don't know if it's in theater yet. But it's gonna be playing in some theaters. It's playing at a the drive drive through. No drive in. Drive in. Sorry, couldn't can't even talk for a second. Um, I'll see it in play, streaming. Yeah, like I, I feel like, like I might see it at streaming. I felt like it might do better on a streaming service platform, but I understand wanting him to put it in because it's a. From what I thought, from what I thought, I remember I saw the trailer once, but it's like another found footage movie it's going back to his old school roots right yeah it looks like well i want to say found footage it was more like a documentarian style like district Nine. yeah so it's going slightly back to like i said his you know old roots and style and taking back to his new story so i haven't really even looked at like thoughts into it but i know it's playing uh and going to be released this weekend so mm -hmm. uh good luck to him yeah, good luck, Neil Blomkamp. Yeah, we're rooting for you. Remember, you can, you do it. it it's fine. I think he, he's a fine director. He just needed to take a step back, like Josh Trank. But you know, so you got one more news story. Yes, um, but I wanted to say shout out to Anthony Mackie. I'm excited for Captain America four. Um, but anyways, we're going to talk about this news story because it seems relevant to now because now uh, Brian Cranston, Jeffrey Wright, Hope Davis, and Liv Schneider have been added to the new Wes Anderson film. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there is the no movie? title announced yet for the film, but this okay. movie's got a lineup of uh, cast. This movie is filming in Spain and has already the likes of An uh, Adrian Brody, Bill Murray, Station Schwarzman, Tilda Swinton, Tom Hanks, Margot Robbie, Scarlett Johansson, and Rupert Fiend. Rupert Fiend, well, a friend. Friend. You know, Ralph <laughs> Anderson loves to get. As his, many people as he can. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like now at this point with the French Dispatch, you know, everybody like me is excited to see that. I'm really excited for that French Dispatch. It's going to be awesome, I think. Is it just me? Whenever I hear that title, I'm thinking of the French Connection. Like, I'm thinking it's a heist movie. Yeah, I I, I thought it was going to be a heist movie, too. But then I realized it's gonna it was about journalism. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> just not what I thought. Because, like, you know, I, I thought I thought of the same thing, too. And I feel like a lot of people thought the same thing too <laughs> but uh yeah this sounds exciting i like adrian brody i know he doesn't get a lot of love but i think he's a good actor and you know you got a lot of talent in there so it could be good no matter maybe when we find out the title people do their decoding of like what will it be about and they look at the poster like what does this mean 
Yeah, I'm trying to see what else there was about, but the voice cast was announced. I'm in down for it. I think for any movie for like Wes Anderson to get a staple of a cast, I think that's typical and Wes Anderson style because mm-hmm. he's got all those connections. And yes, he does. Um, it's a no-brainer for any actor to star in a Wes Anderson film. And these are all of his friends that he's made over the years. I mean, like look at Brian Cranston and and Bill Murray. I mean, Bill Murray has been attached to Wes Anderson for years. It's like yeah. a Martin Scorsese and Leonardo yep. DiCaprio connection, you know, yep. at this point, you know. And then, like I said, Brian Cranston, he was in Isle, Island of the Dogs. And that Isle really, of Dogs. Really, Isle, Isle, Isle of Dogs, excuse me. That movie's really, really cute, too. And I that movie does not get enough credit. I like I that, love that one. movie. I like that movie. I like the stop motion. I stuff. love well, except, for bo- except for Box Trolls. Box Trolls suck. But I, love I Trolls. like that. I like I Love Dogs more than the Fantastic Mr. Fox. You guys can oh. go. Yeah, I'm putting the hammer down on that one. Okay, I can see that. I like both of them. I think I. I yeah, prefer- I do like both, but I, if I had to watch one or the other, it's I Love Dogs for me. Well, but uh, Jason yeah. Schwartzman too, also attached that too, and I think I think this is Margot Robbie's first movie with uh, yeah. Mr. Anderson too, because she's never been a part of that too. No. So uh, yeah, looks like a great good old cast to have, and I'm excited to see what's gonna come from that. But uh, we keep our eyes on that one. Yeah, and that one and the French Dispatch. I think we're gonna be seeing a lot. I think that movie's gonna come out regardless with the Delta variant or not too. So yeah. <laughs> I don't think they they pushed that movie back enough. So I you think know. they're going to be like, all right, here it is. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for the news today. That'll be news for us. You can send it on our Instagram page at MK Productions Podcast. On Instagram, you can link us some news and we'll give you a credit and shout out with that. But with all that said and done, I think it's time we talk about the latest DCU film, The Suicide Squad 2021, because I don't want anyone to confuse it with 2016. Let's get into it. He's in prison for putting Superman in the ICU. In theaters August 6th, we do dark. Okay, so the topic or the film of discussion for today's episode is James Gunn's Suicide Squad, which was just recently released uh, as of this recording about two weeks ago on HBO Max and in theaters at the same day premiere, that simultaneous thing. And like I mentioned, this is the new DC Extended Universe film. It's directed by James Gunn and written by Gunn. And it has an all-star cast, which I'm not going to name all of them, but the main standouts are John Cena, Idris Elba, Margot Robbie, Joe Kim, and Viola Davis, and Sylvester Stallone as King Shark. And this is... The plot of the film is a task force of convicts known as the Suicide Squad are sent to the island of Corto Maltese to destroy evidence of the giant alien starfish, Starro the Conqueror. And we're not going to spoil it because this movie is still relatively new. And by the time this episode comes out, this is still going to be on HBO Max. So we recommend you go see this film so, either so much. In, but either in theaters or HBO, or HBO Max. Uh, yeah. But before, so. we talk, but before we talk about the movie... A bit more we're going to talk about. Let's talk about the background. So 2016, we had the Suicide Squad movie with David Ayer, directed by David Ayer. And it was like this, it was hyped up to be like, this is going to be DC's answer to Guardians of the Galaxy in the trailers. Marketing was on point. The movie came out. It was a disaster. The critics hated it. Audience hated, hated it. But some critics liked it. Some audience liked it. And it was just a m- mess. And, and one of the good pro- things that uh, we got out of it, well, I don't know how good it is. 
ending it, she approves from the performance of it, but as Margot Robbie, and that's where oh, it yeah. sends from there. Yeah, and then now it, there were stories of meddling from Warner Brothers, not letting David Ayer get his movie. Then five years later, it's with the Ayer cut, released the 2016 Ayer cut with, like, you know, the, his version of Suicide Squad. So then he was going to do a sequel for Suicide Squad, but he got dropped. He dropped out of the project. So then DC said, okay, let's try something different. In comes James Gunn. At, when, at the time, he was fired from Gar- Marvel for all tweets that were deemed offensive. And DC picked him up to do a new Suicide Squad movie. And he said, okay. So then when news broke that he was coming back, Marvel hired him back. So technically speaking, we're crossing borders here where a Marvel director went to DC, made a movie, and is going back to Marvel to do another Marvel movie, which is just insane to me. And uh, mm-hmm. another thing about this movie is that we have an old, we really have an all new cast because a lot of the members from the first Suicide Squad movie are not gone. Uh, El Diablo, gone. Enchantress, gone. Uh, and gone, Enchantress, gone. Uh, <laughs> Deadshot, Deadshot, gone. Killer Croc, gone. All that, the people that came back are Viola Davis, Margot Robbie, and Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang. We have a brand new ensemble cast. Um, Joel Kinnaman. Oh, Joel Kinnaman, I'm sorry. Yeah, Joel Kinnaman. So, yeah, this is, um, that was the history of the Suicide Squad movie, and it came out, and it is a awesome movie. It is so much better than the 2016 one, although... This is what David Ayer wanted to make, and... Yeah, if he made this movie, then we would have not been in the situation we were... No, I... Knowing that we had a PG version of Suicide Squad, I think was way too safe for everything to come out because this movie is a for the suicide squad the suicide squad it's a bloody bloody good time yes that's how it's supposed to be even the animated movies have done it better than the this one is just fantastic and can you believe that some people say that this one isn't as good as the 2016 one i've heard some multiple people say this not under my radar i'm surprised um i was like you must have really liked that and I'm not saying that like the 2016 one is like the worst DC film. No, I no, it's will, not. I will I've die by worse. I will die by the hill that Birds of Prey is the worst one. Like it's the worst, especially compared to rated R. It's the worst rated R DC movie. But this, the 2016 Suicide Squad is enjoyable. I like some of the the, the elements. I of think that it's movie. become a meme of it because of yeah, you know, just Jared Leto being Jared Leto as the Joker, <laughs> the yeah, hot topic but, Jared Leto. <laughs> damage. But um, this one is just. It's really, really, like, fun. It's a fun movie, and you can tell that James Gunn took the style that made it work in Marvel with Guardians of the Galaxy, and he took it, and he did it with this Suicide Squad, yeah, and it's just like, amazing. They, do you know what they the pitch meeting was? They were like, they just showed James Gunn a picture of Guardians of the Galaxy and pointed, we want that! Just make that, please! <laughs> that's all, and, and James Gunn went, okay, that's it. But yeah, Fine money. What did you think of uh, Suicide Squad? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Or did you think it was okay? Oh, I I really liked it a lot. I think it's one of the top my one of the top my top by uh, the sorry I can't talk top movies of the year so far. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of fun to it. I enjoyed the surprises. I think this is the movie that I saw that that really surprised me, especially the beginning of the film. I think yeah. The, excuse me, twenty minutes of the film really really took me to a different level for the dc universe and what yeah, it, to come from the film itself yeah it is, it, this movie takes no savages let me just no. tell you uh nobody is safe from this, this movie it nobody set, is safe 
you mentioned the first 20 minutes, and I will say the first 20 minutes of the film, we're not going to spoil anything. It really sets the tone of what we're dealing with in the movie. Yeah, it's amazing. And it just showed what the potential elements DC can bring to the universe. And especially this idea of James Gunn has this idea for the DC universe. Because there's potential for projects for him that he's like signed on and has discussed with DC in the future. So... I think this is going to open a lot of doors for him, especially. So I'm excited to see what's going to come from it. Mm -hmm. And I I love all the villains that are casted in this movie. And one of them, I think, really improves from a performance is Margot Robbie's as Harley Quinn. I think now she has really, really stepped into this character and really took it up from a notch from being, uh, you know, how she was in, you know, Birds of Prey. And just elevates her performance even more. And I just loved her in this film. You can tell she definitely got better between her first performance and this one. Because maybe I'd say, too, it's better writing with her character. And she was able to, because one of the biggest things with this one is that Warner Brothers did not meddle as much as they did Mm -hmm. in the 2016 one. This is just, this is James Gunn's movie. This is not Warner Brothers' movie. This is James Gunn. So he's able to do virtually anything he wants. Like, there were some things that Warner said no, but he said, I'm doing it anyway. So this is his movie. So everything that, like, was on screen is his idea. And I loved it. And especially with Margot Robbie, I felt like she had more room to flesh out her character. Because the 2016 one, she was just like, oh, she's just a Joker's girlfriend. And I think they wanted to do that with Birds of Prey, but that wasn't a disaster. But this one is a very good, like, uh, redemption for her. Oh, after. definitely so much so. And I think even the fact that we have a new cast, especially knowing the fact that, you know, Will Smith wasn't going to come back as Deadshot because that was set, you know, for him to come back mm-hmm. when we last saw Suicide Squad and they replayed him, replaced him as Idris Elba. I think that was even different, 10 times better. I it was Idris Elba in this movie. Different character, not the same because. Uh, they didn't want to recast Will Smith, so they put Idris Elba in his place as Bloodshot, which is a different character, so that maybe in the future Will Smith can come back in another Suicide Squad movie. Or what do you think of Bloodsport in this? Uh... Bloodshot. Bloodsport Blood. is um. Oh no, is it Bloodsport? Oh, well, I, so said, I said Bloodshot. I said Bloodspot for uh, first, but then I said, wait, it's Bloodsport. Oh, I thought he was awesome. He was like Idris Elba was able to just be him, and he didn't put on an American accent. He has Cockney accent, so I loved it. A lot, and I think he brought more charisma than Will Smith in the 20s. Oh, absolutely! Because he, Will Smith, was just playing Will Smith, and at this point, you know, it's just like you know, it's fine. But like, it's just Elba. He's just cool, and it verifies why. And you wonder why the hell he's not James Bond at this point, or some sort of spy character in like maybe Kingsman or something. Hint, hint. But he was very good with you know. I think he he was good as the. Kind of the straight, not the straight man, but he had his moments of like, man, that's funny. And like, then he was a good leader for the team. Like, I know they were like, oh, Deadshot's the leader of the room. But he didn't feel like a leader. It just it just made uh, Bloodsport feel like a leader for this ragtag group of criminals. Oh, absolutely. I really dug his character a lot. And I like how he took the lead pretty much in this film. And, you know... There was no performance that really, like, stood out. No, I can't say that because there's more performances that stood out. But this is the performance from him that stood out to me the most in his career so far. And I could say this is an absolutely mm-hmm. great character because, um, you know, we see him as, you know, 
which we call it the detective in the show that won him an, an award. What's the series? Not not um, Luther. Luther. Thank you. We've seen him as Luther, and I think you know this is taking him up uh, up his career a notch, and just shows him he can take on like huge blockbuster movies like this. Because mm-hmm. wasn't he in uh, which call it? The one, the one with the one, the one, the uh, the one with the giant robots that gets Guillermo del Toro. Pacific Rim. Yes, wasn't he in that? He was in the first one because in the second one, Finn Boy, um, yeah. John Boyega takes his that kid. character. Yeah, or he and plays his son. Was yeah. like that was like the last major blockbuster I could think of he was in, and now he's like in this, and I think he's excellent, and I think he should be considered for more roles like this. And then we got John Cena as Peacemaker, who like, I think I have to say excellent. this. Yeah, I, I want to say this now. John Cena absolutely redeemed himself as an actor in my eyes because after I saw Fast oh, Nine, yes. after I saw Fast Nine, I was thinking, "Damn, I really can't. I don't know if I can defend you anymore because you're act." But this character, it was perfect for him because he just played. He was cap. He was Captain America, but a dick, and it was yeah. perfect. Yeah, he's like America. Uh, a full meta ja- jacket vibe to it and just yeah. played it up to his wrestling character. And I and loved it. It was awesome. It was awesome. And I'm excited for the series that's going to come from it because we know that uh, from the series, he is getting, you know, a Peacemaker series. And so it, got re- it got renewed for a season two. Before it did it get started. renewed for a season two. And uh, he's been in stuff over the years, you know, like, you know, Fred the movie. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, uh, he's been in some, like, you know, movies, but, like, nothing that made him stand out to me, personally speaking, as an actor. Like, I thought he was just obnoxious and blockers. Did you, did you see that movie, the one with, you know, the what, the prom night one where the girls have to have sex and yeah. the uh, parents are out to stop them? So, like, yeah. I, I thought the, that was the most the cringiest good, movie ever. The only good performance he had done up until this point was in Trainwreck with a... Uh, Bill Hader. Train yeah. I really not, liked a lot. Gotcha. I love Trainwreck. You know, yeah, I thought he was good at that. Streamer. Yeah. I, I just feel like this is the one that made him, this Suicide Squad movie made him a star. Mm-hmm. And say, okay, yeah, he can take on all sorts of stuff. I know he was like in some other movies, you know, like Bumblebee and stuff like that, but I actually haven't seen Bumblebee though. Oh, he was good in Bumblebee. He played the, like, the macho military man i thought that that's what i I remember in the trailer he was that character yeah but this is is, this is the rule like okay if you want to see john cena acting watch the suicide squad because he's really really good in it i was very surprised i really was he's like chris evans but if chris evans was a jackass in this movie oh yeah it's i would like to see them fight honestly (laughs) that'd be cool for that and just see them who can outbro each other that'd be great uh, but can we talk about, I, I'd say, is the standout performance of the film would have to be from um, Dan, Daniela Melacor. Mac, Mac, I think that's Rat Catcher? Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Everyone you know, I saw loved her character. And originally, in the alternate ending, it's not a spoiler because it didn't make the film, she was supposed to die. And James Gunn said, she's just too sweet. I can't kill her off. Yeah, she's essentially the heart of the film. Yes. She and, has awesome interactions with... Uh, Bloodsport, you know, Peacemaker, uh, Harley Quinn, and like she has yeah, interactions. King Shark, with... I love her with King Shark. Yeah, because and... to them, like, uh, we'll talk about King Shark in a second, but uh, she's excellent. I have never heard of her in general, but I was like, oh, who is she? And then you know, she was 
outstanding as a rat catcher. And her little rat, oh, God, what's his name? Sebastian. Sebastian, oh, God. It was really, really cute. It's, it's interesting. This 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 movie was her first, like, English. She was more of a, um, she's, like, a Portuguese actor. She does a lot of, like, mm-hmm. um, she does, like, Portuguese stuff. But this was her first uh, English film, like, her debut. Because she did the um, voice for Gwen Stacy in the Into the Spider-Verse movie, but that was a Portuguese dub. So this is her debut, her live-action American debut. She killed it, though. Yes, she did. I'm excited. I know know DC is going to do something in the future, probably with, like, they're going to try to plan, I'm sure, something with her and Taika Waititi at least doing some kind of, like, pre-movie before some kind of prequel movie or something, because, uh, you know, Taika Waititi was also casted in this, and he plays her father, so... Backcatcher um, one, yeah. Um, I'm excited for her future, and especially for her acting career, because she, like I said, a heart of the film, oh my gosh, she almost made me cry a couple times, because she's just excellent in this film. Yeah, but um, here's another thing I love with this film, is that, you see, the concept of the Suicide Squad is just taking the most, some of the most well-known villains like you know you get the harley quinn and king shark but you take some of the more obscure kind of like ridiculous villains and you put them in it and then you can have them shine and people will know more about that character in the original one i would say that would have been like you know captain boomerang um slipknot before he got off in the beginning of the movie that would have been cool el diablo maybe killer Rock a little bit, but they didn't really have enough enough like villains that like were obscure to shine a light on. With this film, we get characters who are like, man, I've never like went in like depth, and I've never went in depth with you before. This no, I, and even like, like Polka like, Dot Man. Yeah, that's what I was getting to. Like Bloodsport, you know, he's 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 known, but he's not like well known because it's more like Deadshot and everything. You got uh freaking <laughs> the Polka Dot Man, which is. A joke villain, but then gave him layers in the film, which was awesome. Oh, he was excellent. I love uh, David Matt Mouskalkin. I dash. I can't even say this last this poor man's last name. Do you know how to say it? Because he's also um, in Ant Man, actually. Yeah, he's in a lot of things. So, and did you see he adopted Polka Dot Cat? Oh yeah, there was a. There was that a, was really really cute. <laughs> yeah, the actor of Polka Dot Man, he adopted a cat when they were filming in Panama that was abandoned, and every the internet was loving. Like he was awesome as Polka Dot Man. And it's funny because James Gunn said he was gonna put another obscure obscure villain in there. Um uh, you ever heard of Condiment King? I've heard of that. Uh he's just he's just a dude who attacks people with condiments. And he was he he was originally gonna be in this movie, but I think James Gunn said I'll just put Pokemon Dot Man in there. But it was yeah. good. Polka Dot Man was funny. He was he was funny. Yeah, I, I, just everyone has their own different elements that they bring to the film, and everyone is just equally as funny and really brings a lot of humor to it. Yeah, everyone has their time to shine. Like, like this is very comparable to Guardians of the Galaxy because, you know, in those movies, everyone in the cast has their moment to shine no matter what. And I'd say everyone in this movie has their moment to shine with something cool and everything, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but do you know what I'm going to need in the near future? A King Shark plushie. Aww. Did you like Stallone as King Shark? King Shark so so much. Oh my God, I loved him because he's got like this like muscular body that I think is so funny that he looks like part man. 
Yeah. Like buff, like John Cena. Like I wonder if they just took John Cena's body and just he walked around with big buff, you know, but in shark form. He's got these little eyes and this huge mouth, but he's just got like the mindset of baby Yoda. Nom nom. And baby Groot. It was adorable. I think I love Sylvester. A little Stallone. bit of like Stitch from Lilo and Stitch. Mm-hmm. And all these elements that remind me of like my favorite uh you know, animal-like characters or unique alien characters. And it's like, with the voice of Stallone and his, you know, voice, it's so good. <laughs> and it's so funny. And I just I just thought it was so great. And the comedic timing of Stallone is so great in it. There's really yeah, good comedic he- timing in it, especially, like, as soon as we in- get introduced to King Shark in the film. Um, I hate to say this, but we get introduced to King Shark, and he's reading a book, and it's upside, upside down. down. And I just thought it was so cute and funny, and he goes, I'm smart. The scene is like, oh, look at look at this dumbass knows how to read. Yeah, it's, it's so funny. Oh, gosh. The little things that uh, King Shark did were great. And then what do you think about Joel Kinnaman coming back? He was I so much just, better. He was so much better. In this he movie redeemed he himself in this. Yes, person. that's what ever. A lot of people were saying that, like, man, I like Colonel Rick Flag in this one more than the original because you just seem like the military guy who had a relationship with the villain in the movie. Yeah, Enchantress. Like, yeah. I like. I was not expecting him to come back at all. Like, you know, you see his character had truly changed from the first film. Like, it's like he forgot about Enchantress and it was like this, this, this. Uh, this group of the suicide squad, you know, is the, my life now, you know, yeah. and you know, it's that, yeah, like you've got everything that was in that film. So it was good. Now, one other thing we need to talk about, because this has been a very controversial topic and that would be the villain. And it's not a spoiler because it was in the trailer. What did you think of Starro? Because there's one side to think it was a dumb villain and the other side thinking that it was cool. I'm on the side thinking it was cool because I know the character of Starro, thanks to Batman Brave and Bold. Shout out to that show. And what side are you on? Do you think the villain Starro was dumb or do you think it was fun? I thought it was fun. I just think the aspect of uh, Peter Capaldi really brought the element to it. Oh, the th- as the thinker? Yeah, I think that really helped the element to that. So uh, I think of that more as the villain. So uh, I didn't think it was bad, though. He wasn't too bad. I liked it because the the character the Starro um, villain is a very interesting because I like I said I found out I knew about him from Batman Brave the Bold because one of the season finale was Starro taking over the world and Batman and a bunch of like heroes have to try to stop him because I think the the whole mind control aspect is interesting but I did think it was like oh man I wish they didn't spoil that in the trailer because you know. That would have made it even cooler. Like, oh my gosh, it's Starro! But you know, I, I I figured you know with Starfish, it was kind of a spoiler even. But it would have been cool for those. It's kind of terrifying when I saw yeah. it. I'm just like, whoo! Like, wow! I was like, that's one giant starfish. I don't want to mess with. Just yeah, imagine then, him like at this point. Imagine like a giant Patrick Star. But like wants to kill you. Yeah, it's 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 got this huge eye too. That's like really scary, and it blinks and it looks. It just like seems gross to me, and I I just to me I'm surprised it was able to talk 
that and was funny. Playing, and I was just like, and have the ability to go, these control these people. It's it, that was just like really really scary to me. I was just like, oh, this is not good. And like, and for like, for Peter Capaldi's character to to construct it, it was just really really fascinating to me. I think Star Wars is a very fascinating feel. Like, uh, how is it that DC has brought in like a conqueror villain before Marvel can get Galactus in the damn movies? How is that possible? I don't know, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, one last thing we'll talk about with this film, and that's kind of um, then we'll and we'll give like our ratings and like what do you think the future of DC is after this? Because this was obviously the this is clearly the highest reviewed. DC movie of the whole like DCEU era and the era has been going on for like eight years and do you think that they are going to move in this direction with like James Gunn's vision laying oh, the groundwork yeah. with the Suicide Squad because there's so many possibilities you got the Peacekeeper series then he, he's coming back for another sequel I think got, he said there I'm sure they're gonna think of something with King Shark in the future yeah but do you yeah, think there's that the plans for this and I but, think James Gunn is gonna be attached to the DC more because we know his time with Marvel is ending. Yeah, he's gonna Guardians have, of the Galaxy 3 is you know, last one. We'll be with his last film. He's also got, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. I know he's putting some form together with that. But um, once his time is up, I think he's had, you know, I know he has, you know, terms with Marvel. I think he understands, you know, the soft side to Marvel. But now he's going to see the potential and the ideas he would love to explore in DC. And I'm excited for it, and this could be make help me make myself more of a DC fan even more now than ever. Because the D Warner Brothers can actually let him do what he wants to do with Marvel. Yeah, as long as I've heard a lot of yeah, a lot of a lot of directors who've worked with Marvel saying that Marvel is very restrictive with some of the things. That's why it's taking us forever to get that rated R movie. Uh, that's Deadpool movie, but we don't. Yeah, and now that they're saying they let Chloe Zhao direct whatever she wants with, you know, the internals, that's up going to be up in the air. I, like, I'm excited for that internals. Mo- I'm kind of excited for that internals movie now after I saw that trailer, the new one that just came out. But um, I know Kevin Feige likes, you know, to put his two cents involved. And, um, yeah. but this is going to be interesting. I think we are, there is very high hopes because we also have the Batman movie. Yes. Next that, year, March. So it's all, depends on how that does and the direction i think they want to go in i mean who knows they could probably go in both directions and make or think about the flash movie if they want to do the flashpoint paradox they want to make the multiverse and have all these movies merge into one because that's what everyone's thinking about um how loki ended i get i didn't watch loki but i know something with the whole multiverse how everything can be canon now yeah pretty much especially the what if series now yeah and that's what I'm thinking maybe they might do because this is obviously a good groundwork to get a new era of DC going and leaving. You don't want to leave behind the old era because some of the old stuff has, you know, Man of Steel is fine, Batman v Superman, the Ultimate Edition is fine. Um, you obviously want to forget the, the 2017 Justice League and bring in the Zack Snyder Justice League. Wonder Woman is good, Shazam's good. So I'm thinking maybe if DC wants to go in this new direction, they can keep this. And they can do all these movies. And then when you get to the Flash movie, since you're already having Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Michael Keaton come back and Ben Affleck mm-hmm. coming back as Batman, you can possibly set up an opportunity to, like, make everything canon and make it all connected if you if it's done right. 
I'm I'm still holding my breath because DC's track record is that they'll make a good movie and then they go right back to making a bad movie because they did Wonder Woman and Justice League. But 2018 was the good year because they made Shazam and Aquaman, but then Birds Break mm-hmm. came out, then Wonder Woman 1984, and now they're back. So I'm scared with the next movie if it's gonna be bad or good. It's like because the next DC movie is the Batman in March, right? Yeah, I'm not too. I, I'm still high of major high hopes for that because who's involved at this point and uh there i i have high hopes for it and i think that it's all going to be determined because of that film so um who knows i think at this point um it could be even be a james gunn universe at this point or it could be a um, Matt Reeves universe you know imagine the two of them coming together and coming up with the ideas for the potential of the dcu universe that would be awesome I mean that would be great. I, I I'm excited to see what could come from all this. I think James Gunn really saved DC with this film because they could have been tarnished again. Yeah, it could have been somebody like another David Ayer, or they just bring on you know somebody like uh, Garth Garth Edwards, or you know uh, what's what's call it? I can't think of the name, but. Uh, they could have really saved this film and well, not save this film, but made a disaster if they brought in like again, like a David Ayer and they didn't, they brought in somebody who could make a fun movie. And that's what everybody was looking for because superheroes are fun movies. They don't, they're not always taken seriously. Yeah. And that's what we go into them enjoying them for. And as you know, much as I love the story, this is just what I go to the movies for and why I want to watch, you know, said movie. It's because of how the direction and the story it took, because this is essentially a James Gunn movie. And all of his now thinking about it when I was sitting there watching it with, you know, my friends and my boyfriend, I'm sitting there like this is like James Gunn to be introduced to somebody who does not know James Gunn to begin with. Yeah. Like if you haven't that- seen like Slither or Super then uh then you know or 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 the murder murder house party or murder party what he directed it was like one of his early 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 films yeah so it's like all that in one but yeah what do you what would you give uh the suicide squad 2021 before we wrap it i'm actually going really really high with it i'm actually going between uh and a and a minus because i loved it I think it's one of the better superhero films I've seen in a very, 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 very long time. At least, at least since the pandemic. <laughs> I would give it an eight out of ten. The one thing I will say, um, I didn't get to publish my review yet, but uh, Mac did. You thought it was pretty predict. You thought some of it was kind of predictable. Yeah, because I know I saw this in another review, and I kind of agreed with it. Once you see one James Gunn film as like you know super. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, or, you know, all those. And even with uh, when he wrote the script for uh, Belko Experiment, which was directed by Wolf Creek director. I forgot his name. But once you've seen one of his movies, you kind of expect what would happen. And you're like, okay, so this will probably happen. So it's like, boom, boom, boom. So That's Greg yeah, McLean. I just Greg McLean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it was written by Gunn. And then he, writ- he wrote Brightburn, too, and produced it. So it's like, once you see one of his movies, you kind of get into that realm of like okay now i know and it was a little disappointing at times i was like okay but something it kept me on my toes but i was very tentative for some of the plot points i didn't think it was that predictable especially for 
I saw it, like, I know what to go in expecting for a James Gunn film. However, I didn't think it was that predictable for a DC film. That's the thing I just, like, just thought of it as. It's not predictable as a DC film, but it's predictable as a James Gunn film. Because DC oh, hasn't wait, done oops, a... I thought he directed some kind of murder house movie, but he didn't. So I take back take that back. So I'm just looking back on his filmography now as we're sitting here. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm like it was predictable for a James Gunn movie, but very unpredictable for a DC movie because DC had not done anything to this point of just letting a director be who they want to be. And I actually him. see what you're saying now too a little bit as um, you know who what characters die and what what happens in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Especially, uh, it reminds me of what happened with Michael Rooker's character in uh, Guardians Bel- of the Galaxy 2. And Belko Experiment. And Belko Experiment, you know. But uh, it it's really surprised me, though. But, from, like, you know, now yeah, you're saying that now for a James Gunn pre- movie, it was seen predictable. Mm-hmm. But um, for an average audience who hasn't seen a lot of James Gunn's works like the Belko Experiment, though, like, I don't know a lot of people who have seen it. Like I my have. sister, like I know you have. I showed my sister and I went to go see it together when it came out. Uh, like I haven't shown the movie to anybody else. And like, if I were to show, if I were to show a James Gunn movie to someone, it would be Rain Wilson and Super. What it would be? Super with Rain Wilson. Oh, I thought you said something about Rainbow. No, Super. I, yeah, I like Super. That was actually one of the movies that, like, as soon as I saw Guardians, I went to go watch Super, and I really liked Super a lot, and I understood why they took on James Gunn. Yeah, so um, definitely check out The Suicide Squad. It's on HBO Max until September 5th because of the whole 30-day period that they release the movies. And it's going to be in theaters for a little bit longer. So highly recommend you watch it. If you don't want to go to the theaters yet because you don't feel it's safe, stay home and watch the HBO Max. So if you want to go out and church the great movie theaters, go watch it because it, yeah, this movie I, needs to be It's worth seeing IMAX if you decide to make it. Go watch it in IMAX. It makes it a really cool theater-going experience because seeing that – Starro in the giant form that is Starro. Oh my uh, gosh, the eye scene towards the end, I uh, was just like, oh my god. That's <laughs> the like, HD quality. Like I felt like my body cringe. I was like, oh no, I don't like this. No. <laughs> All right. So if that's the case, let's move on to the M and K upfront. Okay, so for something different this week, because we have just got back from, you know, long hiatus and everything. So we're going to give you the some MN, the MNK upfront, as we call it. Kind of like a, kind of like what we're planning on doing for the next couple episodes when this comes out. So, Kristen, would you like to take it away? Sure. Um, as you guys know, this is currently, for us who, uh, you know, we're listening, this is currently, you're listening to episode 53. Um, we, Mac and I have been going for, at it for quite a while now. It's been quite impressive for i guess the both of us we've been you know working on all sorts of stuff for the last year or so with this podcast and now with the direction we're still going to keep moving forward and keep bringing you consistent content um we're going to bring sorts of ideas plenty of new guests i have been able to contact 
and with so so many incredible people who you know you guys may not know or aren't following on you know that might be like on YouTube or Instagram and giving them a light to shine on whether that they want to talk about a certain movie or we have an idea for a topic that we would like to talk about so we're going to give you an update on what's to come so uh next week it is we are going to be discussing the conclusion of the kissing booth three how do you feel about talking about the kissing booth Mac? hell yeah that's our movie mac goes i do imaginary high five to you all the way from jersey and sending it across the beautiful massachusetts to you because you know that's one of the movies we connected on and on how horribly it is we're going to give you our thoughts next time whenever that episode comes out um you know, because we have to talk about it. Joey King's career, what is going on with it? And uh, we're going to see how that movie concludes. I saw it. Was not expecting much. Got nothing out of it. But I'm excited to hear Max's thoughts. And Because we, we both even haven't even published our reviews of that movie yet. So. I haven't seen it yet. You haven't seen it yet? No, I gotta, I'm going to watch it this weekend. Okay, yeah. Don't, yeah, don't go in. I, I will say it is better than the sequel. But that's not saying much, though. I will say that. It felt like I was watching the first one. I will admit that. But then after that, we are going to be putting together a huge panel for a special, special episode of video game movies. Yes, finally, the one I wanted to do. Yes, Mac, has, this episode has been in the talks for a while. I am sort of a video game gamer girl in some way. I know You're Mac novice. is... Sure. <laughs> you, you, yeah, I, I know a lot more. Well, well I should say that. We're going to bring on some guests, some special guests, and we're going to talk about some video game movies. Maybe we'll talk about some, some favorites. Maybe we'll talk about some disappointments. Maybe we'll talk about some box office stuff over the years. We're, it's all up in the air. We're going to just play it by year, and we're going to bring on a good panel. Like I said, some guests, so please be on the lookout for that episode. I'm thinking that episode will probably come out towards the beginning of September. Yep. Um, then after that, we're going to be hitting September. It's time for fall movie season, baby. We got a lot of films coming out for the rest of the year. So we're going to be looking at movies from going on into probably the middle of September, going all the way till maybe December. Who knows? Maybe we'll touch on December. I just thought fall towards the end of November. But we want to explore what other options are going to be out in theaters or could be streaming because of this Delta variant. We have a lot of hype for it this year. Because now all the movies that were set to come out last year are now coming out now. And some movies have been moved around, like we talked about at the beginning of the episode. So we're going to be discussing some movies that we're excited about. So expect a fall movie preview and potential guest with that episode. And then after that, it's going to be episode 57 with one of Max's favorite directors. <laughs> yes. Um, Daniel Farrar is doing two movies. Christian saw American Boogeyman, Ted Bundy, and he's making one of them. Allison Wood, well, I think her, that's her name is. Yes. And that's going to be I, like and, list. and heads up, I saw American Boogeyman already. And it was a piece of crock. Yeah, Maggie even just took the words out of my mouth already. And um, She was the only one in the theater. That's all yeah, we're going to yeah, say. Okay. That's the that's so, the. That's um, the I knew That's this was a movie. I, I wanted to see this movie because, first of all, this movie had Chinese Michael Murray in it and Holland Roden from it because I am a Teen Wolf fan. And mm-hmm. Holland Roden is from the Teen Wolf series. She played Lydia, who was Allison Arn- 
Allison's friend on the show, if you know Teen Wolf, shout out to you. You're like probably one of my best friends if you know what Teen Wolf is. Um, but uh, she was casted in this film and she doesn't, I don't see her do much acting. So I was really, really excited to see her take on this film. And I thought, maybe I'll give this film a chance. Maybe it's not be as bad as Sharon Tate or like, or like, you know, what is the McCall? What OJ Simpson? What's, what's her, what's murder, her name? Murder, uh, no, 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 Nicole Brown. Oh, Mina Suvara, yes. as those films, but oh, oh boy, oh boy. Um, <laughs> and I will say, going into this film, I had, so, I had not, I had technical issues going into this film. There was a huge chance the theater I went to go see this in did not want to show me this movie. <laughs> okay, so I will probably explain this again when we talk about it in the future, but I go in, you know, I show up, you know, ten, like around seven o'clock, you know, because it was a Phantom Events. It was a Phantom Events, you know, one night showing of the movie. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'll go. Like I had enough, you know, you, you know, when you get your AMC points or a Fandango points and, you know, you can earn yourself a free ticket. So I thought, okay, I have enough points for a free ticket. Well, I'll go pay my dues and see the movie. <laughs> so I go in, I get my ticket. And um, there's nobody in the theater, just me. And I thought, I look around, and I'm like, this is going to be an interesting night by myself. Nothing is happening in the theater. It is now 7:10, and if you ever experience a Phantom events, they really don't show really any trailers. They just play the movie and maybe do like a little intro for the director or somebody from uh, Turner Classic Movies will introduce the movie, like a little clip of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, Nothing was happening. I was sitting in a pitch dark theater and I'm just like looking at my phone. I'm like, wow, this movie should be starting now. And um, I go out to the front front area and I'm like, excuse me, the movie's not playing. It's like 710 now. And I said, it's a Phantom Events movie. Um, what's going on? And he goes, oh, okay, I'll get somebody to on it. I'll send somebody up to the projector room. And then I go back, you know, just chill out for a little bit. Uh, I'm like, oh, they see something come up on the screen and it's like the old paramount screen i'm like no wait no this is oh supposed god to a, this is supposed to be a voltage film oh god like i was expecting to see the voltage pictures because uh they picked up the rights or like distribution rights whatever for the film mm. i'm like uh-oh they started playing charlie and the chocolate factory <laughs> so i'm like i'm yelling up to the projector room because i used to actually work in a theater for, for a little bit not very long but i worked in a theater going back all the way you know to my call co- my very first college years i'm like yelling wrong movie wrong movie and the guy's like do you want a refund i'm like at this point it's 7 30 and i'm just like i came all the way out here to see this movie i'm not going home you know i'm like and i'm like being really nice and patient because i know how annoying it can be to work in a theater and dcps and how annoying projectors can be and all that stuff it it gets a little annoying and tedious because sometimes technology does not work and Meanwhile, you know, I forgot what song they were playing, but it was just got up to the point where Charlie was in his, it was like in the grandparents were in this bed, the bed with Charlie and he was about to give his grandpa the ticket. That's how long the movie was playing for because they did they were having trouble and they kept saying to me, oh, give it five minutes, it'll change, give it five minutes, it'll change. Nothing was changing. So, um, um, after that, they, uh. I just went back out and I was like, I, I just want to see this movie. I, I don't want to change it. I, I came all the way out here. And he was like, no, that's fine. 
So this, uh, they were finally able to put it, and what what actually starts the movie itself is a pre-movie. Oh my gosh! There's like a little preview, like a little documentary that goes along with the film, and I, I we can discuss more about it when, because uh, I don't know if this was made. I guess when it comes out, we'll have to talk about it because there was like a little pre-documentary that what that goes with the film, mm-hmm. and um, the, it like it just appeared out of nowhere and i'm just like oh it's playing and then all of a sudden just as they're ta- doing this little documentary thing i thought i was in the middle of the movie this it, it was so weird like it just showed like i thought i was just watching random footage and all of a sudden this lady comes up to me and she goes oh here's a free ticket so meanwhile i saw the movie for free and got a free movie out of it wow that sounds like knowing that movie and the director sleaziness that sounds like the only way to watch that movie yeah so uh it, it was a fun night <laughs> That is funny. They played how little like shits do you have to get to just be like, we're gonna oh whoops wrong movie it's Charlie Chocolate Factory. This is not about a serial killer. Yeah, and um and and the guy's like yeah it's, it's, she's supposed to be watching Ted Bundy. I'm like yep Ted Bundy. Maybe they were doing him a favor because they knew that movie was so terrible. They're just like oh, please no we're sorry. You want a refund? Okay, but it yeah, I was wow, like, that. No, I drove I drove out like a half hour to see this movie. I'm not going back home now. <laughs> That is funny, man. If no, they weren't okay. really able to play it, I was going to go see uh, Don't Breathe, too, because I've been wanting to see that. But um, now I, I was like, I was just like, you know, taking my time with them. But I know they were probably like, probably like, why is she the only one who wants to see this movie? Yeah, like the hell? Like, you must have been a freak <laughs> to them. So, um, but it was, it, was, it, was, it was a night, you know. Um, the movie itself is something else once we talk about it on episode 57. Uh, but... That's all we got coming up for the M&K Productions podcast. All right, and that's going to wrap up today's episode. And before we go, I would like to mention that we do have a Patreon page. It's going to get a complete overall soon, but for now, if you want to support us on Patreon, you can do it with the three different tiers we have. I don't know if I ever plugged this in the podcast. No, this is your first time. Plug it, though. uh, Yeah, okay. So uh, with the Patreon, what we have, I can look it up real quick. Um, The Patreon page, you know, it's up. It's a link in the description because I put it down every time, uh, you know, to have it as like the page, like uh, the link for like a Patreon. Um, so if I can bring it up real quick. Uh, hmm. I don't have it on my screen. I'm literally looking at our each other's faces right now. <laughs> oh, hold up a second. Oh, here we go. Oh, wait. Nope. Is it? Okay. Yep. All right. Perfect. So our Patreons. Um, things we have we have three different tiers you can go to to support just to help us out because we'd like to get that watermark off of our videos and be able to do some watch along so maybe we can go on Streamyard and have a little bit more people you know yeah we would love to do more stuff with you all in the future uh this is like i said we're doing we're going to be more consistent with the content we're going to bring you guys lots of new stuff and it's going to be exciting for us for the what we have planned for the rest of the year. We want to give you guys brand new content for it and hope to bring in new followers and viewers for both of us on our end. And if you haven't already, go follow us on all of our Instagram and Twitter pages and because we really want to be interacting with you all. So uh, Yeah, so and helping, supporting us on Patreon really do a good job. So on Patreon, it's Mac Movie Reviews. Link will be in the description. We have three tiers. The first tier is the Front Row Theater Seats, which is $2 a month. Uh, the benefits you have is you get request films to review on Instagram and get a shout out. Get mentioned at the end of the videos on YouTube. Request topics to be covered on the podcast. You know, fan requests, pod requests, and shout out on IG and YouTube. Middle next year we have middle row theater seats, five dollars per month. 
Uh, you can request films and TV shows to review on both YouTube and Instagram. Receive shout out at the end of videos and reviews. Request podcast topics and submit questions. Be the first to get early promo codes for the Teespring store, which is going to get a complete overall, by the way, when a sale is around the corner. And be the first to get Mac reviews updates before they get announced on Instagram and Twitter. And then the last tier we have is back of the theater seats, which is $10 per month. This is the grand granddaddy all the tiers because we know that the back of the movie theater is the best. So you get everything from tier one and two. You get a special thank you sticker, a chance to be a special guest on the Mac Movie Reviews podcast, enter a raffle for a digital movie code every two months, and be a special reviewer for a video review of a film of your choice. There's a lot of good content up there. Yes, we do. So links will be in the description. So you can come to Patreon for either just $2 a month, $5 a month, or $10 a month. You get all the access to everything we have. So that's Patreon and Mac Movie Reviews that will be changing soon. And it will be linked in the description for everything. And there's a video I made a few months ago announcing that, too. So check us out on Patreon for that. Yeah. And then our Teespring store is going to get a complete overhaul. We're going to make some new designs, especially with the – I don't want to profit off uh, situation with Delta area, but looking like more masks so we can be having more masks up. We can maybe make some more some new T-shirts and everything, maybe some iPhone cases. We, it's going to be a complete overhaul, so look on that but you know for now if you want you can support us on patreon and link will be in the description and we can get it started we can interact with us even more maybe be on the podcast yes of course but for now it's going to do it for us yes so i have been mac this has been christian you've been listening to the mk productions podcast and we will see you all next time peace bye Baby, you a son, I'm my only wish I'm counting blue honeys I'm too money I got my little bitch, she too lovely Yeah, hanging up and calling me right back Ay, Baby, why you calling me like that? Yeah, getting high with the seat, lay back Baby, gon' relax, yeah Ay, They don't know the half, yeah No matter what happened, I got your back Baby, that's the facts, yeah That's the facts, yeah